Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Jesus. Father, I thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you. I welcome you to flow up and down this church, up and down every road, to do something marvelous in the hearts and the lives of our people. I sense you. I feel you. I speak life, and I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you quicken each and every one of us today, because you are a supernatural God, and you are living in us in all of your supernatural ability, God in us, Christ in us, the anointed one, through every single one of us, Father, hold this anointing that came from heaven. The anointing that can break any and every chain, anything. And indeed, it is true, greater is he that is in us. The greater one, the greater one does live in us. Therefore, we are blessed above all peoples. And I pray, Father, that you continue to flood our hearts with that light. That truly we would allow Holy Spirit to illuminate these truths in our spirit, and that we would receive them as they are indeed truth. And Father, as you've been ministering to me even this week, we have to let the truth become our truth. Many people even can quote and share about truth, but will we make it our truth? Will we be able to say, this is my truth? That's why I live by it, because it's mine. It's my truth. So, Father, again, I yield myself as much as I understand how to. Please help me, Holy Spirit, to communicate these thoughts well. And again, O God, would you please give us ears to hear. Keep us from distraction. Give us ears to hear. I'm asking in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear what your Spirit's saying in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray this. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Last week really was a strong week because it was tangible the way the Holy Spirit was speaking. Like I said, I know when he's speaking. I know when I'm speaking. (laughs) But I know when he's speaking. And we talked about ownership of the church. We talked about actually having that spirit of faith. I mean real living faith. Because whether you or I or whatever, you must... Well, you, you don't have to do anything, but you need to understand that what you believe, you do attract. It is a spiritual law. Faith attracts the blessing of God. Fear is also a spiritual force, and fear can cause attraction to the stuff that you and I do not want in our lives. But we have to come to grips with this is truth. God's, we've made our decision. God's word is the truth. And we don't make excuses for it. God's word works when we work it. Did you hear me? So along with last week, I felt something in my spirit this week. I just out of, just out of a kind of, well, you know, there's no such thing as coincidence when you continue to ask God to guide you. That's one thing you've got to understand. I went up on YouTube and I happened to pull up a couple of old Kenneth Hagin videos. 
from like two years after I graduated from Rama, and he was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And boy, it took me right back. Uh, and so I just went through Bible school a little bit for about three or four hours, uh, Julie and I did. But there was one statement he made about just when he read this. So I want us to read right now. If we could go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, about the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to read this in the King James because I think it's important. A, a couple of comments that he made, and then I'm going to go to something else. Um, but I want you to hear this because, again, last week we spoke about the fact that we are the church that we have. And I want to say it again. I have no doubt whatsoever in my spirit. We have, for example, we have, I, now, I possess right now already, I have our church building. I have it. That's not something I'm trying to hype. I mean, I'm just trying to be honest and tell you, I've got it. It's there, it's paid for, it's waiting for us. But again, the issue that causes things to esc- or come quicker or to be hastened is simply when we all can have the same faith. I know that to a degree that's, I was going to say impossible, it's not impossible, but the point is this is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to release faith into you that you might actually dare to believe that it is the will of God not just rod it's the will of god i mean you cannot as i said last week you cannot search the scriptures with an honest heart and not see where it is always god's will to bring his people into a place of habitation i.e in our case a church where we can actually fulfill so much more of the commission of jesus christ for example to teach our children to to lay hands on our babies to pray for our youth to have them and to do what we're called to do you see, we, we, it's just simply a tool. And it is true that what when God guides, he does provide. But the other truth is, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So all of us, all of us, not just fraud. You see, you've got to get rid of that thing, that old, there's that old kind of psychological device that people have lived with for generations in churches where they it's all up to the pastor to kind of do the work. That's not what it is. That's not even scriptural. It's about all of us having the same heart, all of us recognizing that we're one body, that we are the body of Christ. We are the church Remember, it has to be caught in the spirit before it manifests in the flesh. We are the church. You, you and I, not just Rod, you are the body of Christ. You're all members joined together, like it actually goes on to say here in the 12th chapter. But anyhow, we have the church. But now when it comes to the other thing like this, and what it hit me, like I said this week, was about... Again, the power of God in our... See, let me just read. I'm gonna, let me read 1 Corinthians 12, the first 12 verses from the King James. Just some classic stuff. I may go further with this over the next few weeks or whatever, but I, I just want to read this. Now, hear what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Don't know. Do we have it up? Because I can't see it here. I just want to make sure you have it in the King James. You got it, Dom? Or are you getting it? There it is. Okay. Now, just... Look at it slowly. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So, can you believe that? He doesn't want us 
to not have understanding about the many several gifts that the Holy Spirit has. Now remember as we approach this, if you're born of God, and you are if you're here, I'm pretty sure, if you are born from above, then God's Spirit lives in you in measure. And I believe that probably 99.9% of you have gone further than that and you have received the baptism, the immersion into the Holy Spirit where you are now filled, not just born of, but filled with His Spirit. You are men and women of the Spirit. We're called to be led by the Spirit. We're not any longer choosing to be led by our brain. We use our brain. I said we use our brain, but we will be led by our spirit because our spirit is now one with God's spirit. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God's spirit is a little bit sharper than you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Sounds so simple. But see, faith begins where the will of God is known. And this is God's truth. You have so much power in you. That's why Paul prayed in Ephesians, like he said, do you not understand? He said, please, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness. You know, that you've received the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of the power that is to usward who believe which is according to the working of God's power that he wrought when he raised Christ Jesus from the... You know, to really think on it, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you now. It's not going to be later. It's in there now. So this is why our head, our mind, has to be transformed to where we think like God wants us to think. I've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Help me learn how to yield to that more than any other voice. God is always speaking. The question is, will we have ears to hear? This is why you must learn to slow down your brain sometimes. There are many voices. I guarantee you there are many voices when you first get saved, you know, you're so used to listening to all the other voices. You're so used to obeying all those voices that it, quote, unquote, is second nature, as they say. But now you're brand new. You've been born again. And you have a new nature. But that old brain needs to be retrained so that you begin to think like God says to think. I know we've heard some of that so often, but you know what the Holy Spirit keeps showing me? There is a spirit of faith right now to actually shift. Finally, I mean to really shift from worldly thinking to godly thinking to where we really will. It's like you're going to have a gigantic 105-inch television screen and super UHD 4H, 6H, 8H, whatever it is, where you actually see this is who I am, clearer than you ever thought you could see, clearer. The image is getting clearer and clearer and clearer who you are. 
and see also, but I'm praying for this collective, this corporate grace, this corporate anointing to really embrace us more than we've ever thought possible. I mean so that we really see when we walk in here that we are the church and we come here together to be equipped to gather more understanding, to be trained so that we can be the church outside the door. Because that's what he's done this for. He's saved us. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Not so that we might just sit around and celebrate our own self. But we're here to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. Everywhere you go, you are a minister. I know you know it, but we have to say it over and over again because faith does come from hearing and hearing and hearing. You are ministers of the gospel. Wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you play, wherever you walk, you are Christ's minister by virtue of being born again. But you need to see yourself as you walk out the door in the morning. When you look in that mirror, look in that mirror and say, you are a man of God or you are a woman of God. I'm looking at a man of God. This man has God's spirit in him. This man has God's anointing on him. This man has at his disposal all of the grace of heaven all of the might and the grace and the power that was in Jesus Christ himself because as my father sent Jesus Christ into this world, so has he sent me. I'm here to destroy the works of the devil. You are here to destroy the works of the devil, not to have conversations with the devil, not to listen to his stupid lies that keep saying, like Julie said, failure, failure, failure. No. Greater is he that is in me, in me. See, and I'm going to live by who's in me. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to renew my mind, and I'm going to find out who I am. First Corinthians 12, verse 1 and through 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you once were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I know you, you know these verses, but see, this is what, I, what my goal this morning, I'm trying to get you. If I, had a, if I have a title for the message today, God, like again, he gives me these little phrases. I'm praying, I'm enjoying praying in tongues so much, so much again. Oh my God, I can't wait for you to really catch the bug. I mean, really, 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 really catch it. But he told me this week, he said, I want you to inspect your expectancy. I want you to really inspect, be honest with what's in your heart. Inspect what you're expecting. Because expectancy, I found an old quote from my mentor, Dr. Cole, and he said, expectancy creates the atmosphere for miracles. And I think we've all said something similar, but it is true. See, what's in your heart? But really, we need to get honest about what's in our heart. But right now, as I predicate this, I want you to see this thing about how we all 
are in this together, how we all have ownership of the church, how we're all the body of Christ, that you have a place to work. You have a call and you've been empowered. You don't have to worry about your power because you've got his power. I said, you don't see, you can't, you can't live in more revelation of your weakness than you can of God's power. Quit looking at what you can't do and start looking at what God can do. And for that matter, and you have to really receive not only can he, he wills to. Hallelujah. He wants to show himself alive to that world. And it is true when you really study the scripture, remember the gifts of the spirit that we so want to covet. Like it says, the last verse of this chapter is where it says, covet earnestly, covet, long for, expect, covet. And see, this is what I'm trying to get at. I'm going to talk a bit about expectancy, like I said, but I want you to, as a church, I want our people, I want all of us to understand that you and I, not just Rod and Julie, we all need to be coveting, longing for the gifts of the Spirit to manifest in us. But not, listen, listen, in us, not not so much in the church, but in us. you got to catch it. In Scripture... The power of God moved through the Holy Ghost very seldom in a church. It always manifests. If you want to see the power of the Holy Ghost, he's, it's on the outside. Because the Holy Ghost is to convict the world of sin because they believe not on him. So see, you've got to get, kind of, you've got to get your mind realigned here. Will he? Of course he wants to manifest in the church. But you see, in heaven's mind, do you think he might be going, but you see, all of you folk, I've already filled with my spirit. I'm trying to get this to those other folk that don't know me. And see, this is why sometimes we become our own worst enemies. But nevertheless, look at these next three verses, verse 4, 5, and 6. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Differences of administrations, but the same Lord diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all along. Now, there's a lot of things to look at here. But the thing I want you to see, first of all, is diversity, differences, diversity. Diversity. Everybody say diversity. Diversity is the opposite of sameness. Right? Are you listening? Diversity is the opposite of of sameness. God is trying very clearly through the Apostle Paul to get something across to it. He said, guys, there's diversity in how the Holy Spirit operates. There are differences. Don't put God in a box and think this is the only way the Holy Spirit manifests. There's diversities. And he said, it's funny, also notice this, that the gifts are by the Spirit, the administrations come from Jesus, the operations are birthed by God. Do you see the three there in those three verses? Did you hear that? Diversity of gifts, same Spirit, diverse differences of administrations, same Lord, diversity of operation, but the same God. Spirit, Son, Father. You see that? Now, again, it's just simple, but you've got to begin to see. Now, again, differences are diversities of gifts. Think overall what Paul's trying to say. Guys, it's the same spirit, but get used to diversity. 
See, if we're honest, when we watch our favorite speaker or teacher or minister or our favorite people often, and we see how the gifts function, we tend to think, okay, this is how they function. And listen to me to a degree, therefore, you can limit yourself because that minister isn't you. God will use you, your background, your training, and even in the world. He'll, you have, I'm trying to say, see, be open to diversity. Don't think, don't think, well, you know, it has to be like he did it. It's just so simple. You've got to catch this. Diversity, diversity, diversity. There's diversity of gifts. There's differences of the gifts that he gives. Then, verse five, then like it says, then there's differences of administrations, but the same Jesus. In other words, listen, he said, don't worry about it. It's the same Jesus, guys. It's the same Jesus. But different people administer things, minister in different ways. But it's the same Jesus. Again, see, so don't be caught up. I always tell the story about when I used to minister alongside Steve Ryder from Australia all those years ago. He had incredible miracle ministry. And Steve, the way he would pray for people, he would come up and stand to their side, put his right hand on their back and their left hand on their shoulder, and he would go whoosh up their back and he'd go, be healed or be free, like, you know, whoom, like that. And so everybody was starting following Steve. They started, when they prayed to people, they'd do, I'm going to do, yeah, you do it this way, whoom, like that. You know, and I was brought up under Brother Hagen. Of course, Brother Hagen flat believed on, he used to pray and speak a lot. As, like I said, we even listened to it the last few days about, you know, just the laying on of hands. What the Bible really says about the laying on of hands. In his hands were the hiding place of his power, is what it says in Scripture about God. And you understand God's hand is in your hand, right? The Bible says he clothed us. Wait, Jesus said, I read this morning again, Jesus, he said, wait until you are clothed. Listen, did you, how many of you have clothes on? Hold hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Kevin, you, you got them all, right? No kilts, no kilts today. But think about what, think about what scripturally says. Wait until you are clothed from on high with power. We have been clothed. You know the story of Gideon. God put on Gideon like a coat. Isn't that incredible? Do you ever you have to stop and think on those things? You've been clothed. Right now, you may not even realize you have on the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He it's like he fits every one of us. Perfect. But there's differences of how things are administered. There's differences. Now, why, again, this is so important, because I want us to catch this as a body of people. I don't want you to be limited by thinking it does just like this. You've seen Julie flow this way. You've seen somebody else, Deji, flow this way, Emmanuel, Bobby, whosoever. The only one we're called to imitate is God. See, the thing that you have to learn when you study scripture is God does not teach methodology. He doesn't teach method. He teaches Christ, the anointing. He teaches recognition of the anointing. But you see, First John says each and every one of us already have the anointing. I said each 
and every one of us. None of us have been left exempt. Every, every one of you in here have God's anointing. That stuff which breaks yokes and chains off of people's lives. But see, the mind needs to, I, you know, you need, I'm telling you, it sounds so silly. You get in front of that mirror, you point your finger at yourself, and you carry, you, dude, you hear me? You carry the anointing of heaven. You carry every ounce of power that it takes to set people free from sin, from demons, and from sickness and disease, anything. You do. You do. You point your finger at yourself in the mirror because you've got to learn who you are. That's who I am. When I walk into a room, solutions walk into a room. It is the truth. Now, I didn't say everybody's going to receive it, but that's a whole other aspect. But see, I'm not going to get into fear. I don't live from what the devil does. I live from what God has done and is doing. I don't live from whether or not somebody else will receive it. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to carry it, to reflect it, to release it. That's my job. That's your job. I said that's your job. But see, all of us in the body of Christ, I want desperately, of course, I want to see the manifestation of miracles and right here in our midst in the moment. Boom, bada, boom, bada, boom, bada, boom. But the thing is, that's funny is he wants to see it more than I do. But you see, there's this latent kind of wrong spirit in churches where the congregation keeps thinking it has to be something that happens from here, up here, the pulpit. And see, that's wrong. If I can get you to truly wake up, I mean, if you really had time to go through the, even after the gift spirit, to this thing about in the 12th chapter of what it means to be one body, maybe I'll read it real quickly. You'll, you'll see how crucial it is, what he's really getting to the heart of. But nevertheless, there's diversities of gifts. They're different. There's differences of the way they're administered. You hear me? But it's the same Jesus. And then it says... There's diversities of operation. That means how things are brought about to happen. See, one of the major ways to, to do that is when you actually teach on the working of miracles. That gift of the Holy Spirit is called the working. You have to work. A miracle comes because somebody has the faith to work it. But now that's another topic for another time. But the thing is, there's God. Is it's the same God who brings these different operations, how it manifests, what it does. But in verse 7, of course, is crucial for the all are. But it says, verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit catch this, he says, please understand all you folk in Corinth and all you people at CCF, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, one thing you'll know, everything about the Holy Spirit blesses and profits. Now, something that a word study I did many years ago that really helped me, that you may remember, I've shared, but the word manifestation in the Greek is the Greek word, uh, it's called pharos, it's P-H-E-R-O-S. And pharos speaks of a manifestation, it speaks of a flash of light, like a bulb, like, you know, the old flash bulbs, Remember there anybody in here besides me old enough to know? <laughs> Boom! You know what I mean? That flashlight, that pow, that light goes off. It's really interesting because that helped me a lot. He said it's, it's that boom, 
that flash. And right next to the to the word in Lewin Nita's lexicon, it'll say it'll say something. It, it'll, it'll it'll use the phrase spontaneity. In other words, it's a flash. He's trying to say that the manifestation of the Spirit is like a, a flash. It comes that quick. Bam! And see that, in other words, God's Spirit flashes what God wants, a word, his wisdom. He flashes and you see like that. You just catch, you catch, suddenly you catch this glimpse. You hear me? Now listen, this is really important to moving in the spirit. You catch the glimpse, as it were, this pop of light. And God wants us to become so sensitive to it that we begin to, let's act on that. Now, I always use this old illustration. When I was in school all those many years ago before dirt, you know, long ago when Ron was a young man, you know, um, they used to tell, we used to have what often in some classes, you know, you had multiple answer tests. You know what I mean? We had multiple, choose A, B, C, D, E, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Multiple examples. And I remember our teachers, even back then, and this has been proven out, they used to say this, usually the first answer that comes into your mind is correct. Isn't that interesting? And it's been proven to be true. Because, you see, when you know something, the thing that you know, not think the thing that you know, will pop up, bam, that quick. But then a microsecond past that, we go into our reasoning. And, well, I don't know, maybe not, I'm not sure, I'm going to wing it And you reason yourself out of the answer. The Holy Ghost manifests. It's a, it's, I'm sorry, I quoted the wrong, I gave you the wrong Greek words. Phaneros, not Pharaohs, Pharaohs is a, Phaneros, P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S is what it is, phane, from light. It, it's this flash of light, but I want you to catch that. Here's how the Holy Ghost works. He wants Sheila to do something, and he goes, you know how quick you can miss a, <laughs> really? But see, this is why you and I get to be trained. I want every one of you trained that when you're in here, when that flat, because you see, he will do this in every one of you because he's in you. This is what he does. I, you have no idea how often you've had a word of knowledge. You have no idea how many times you've actually already had the Holy Spirit manifesting. Because he always does. God's always speaking. But see, because our brain thinks that way, we have, like I keep saying, my the anointing of my life is to bring biblical education towards intimacy with Jesus Christ and his ways. And I know how long it's taken to me, and I'm far from having arrived, to say the least. But see, I've, I'm trying to say this morning corporately, I want you to catch this. He's in you, and he's flashing lights in you about things, people, places, and things all the time. But the manifestation, the phaneros, the spontaneous flashing forth of the Spirit is given to all of us to profit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. By the, let me share that real too, real quick too. Now, if one of the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, they're all supernatural. I said if one of them is supernatural, they're all supernatural. A lot of the world, especially like in the old days, the Baptist churches used to, they would 
kind of water this down and say, well, they'd say, well, to one is given wisdom and to another is given knowledge, you know, and that, in other words, intellectuality. They would say, well, I had, that man has the gift of wisdom. They were just saying he was very educated, very sharp, very quick. Very, that has nothing to do with it. You can be trained, you can have the wherewithal to study and to re- retain, but that has nothing to do with a supernatural flashing forth. I said it has nothing to do with that. And see, this is why it says a word. A word, when it's looked, when you look that up, it, a word, listen, a, a word is a fragment of a sentence. Brother Hagen taught us that all those years ago from the Greek. A word of knowledge. You don't get the whole sentence. You don't get the whole paragraph. So you have to learn how to catch a word. God will give you a word about somebody. Pain. Uh, regret. He'll give you a word, a fragment, a word. You'll look at somebody. I've done it so many times. I looked at somebody and just suddenly I'd, I'd see, or I'd, I'd just like I could see one word, you know, depression. Or, you know, victory. I could see it. It was a word. Sometimes it was a word just to bring me understanding of how to deal with the person. Sometimes, indeed, it was a word that God wanted to be delivered. But the point I want you to see is, you all have this spirit. You have no idea how often God's given you a word. But see, a lot of us shoot ourselves in the foot because we want a sentence, a paragraph. We want, a whole, we want the whole article. But see, God demands faith. If you're faithful to the word, you'll get a paragraph. You hear what I just said? But see, I'm trying to release faith in you to catch that, to begin to recognize this. Words of knowledge always have to do with the past or the present. There's all these things we went through all, and Ramo, we went through all. And I may, like I said, do that some here. I don't want to really turn Sundays into a Bible school, but part of me is I'm a Bible school guy, and part of me kind of, mm, you know, but to show you all the examples of words of knowledge, you know, like, you know, like Elisha, when... Gehazi went out and followed Naaman, you know, what I said, and, and, and you know, Gehazi had a, a lot of greed on him, and he went out there, remember, and he said, I'm going to go to Naaman and say, hey, well, there's two young prophets that have come, and I know that you offered my master gold and silver and changes of raiment, and what have you like that, I knew that, but and he said, no, I wouldn't accept any, uh, but he said, you know, a couple of guys have come into town, and, you know, and so my master sent me out to you and said, would you mind giving some silver and some gold and some changes of raiment to it, and of course, Naaman was so excited about being healed of leprosy, he said, well, here, take double. So he took it back. So Gehazi thinks he's pretty sharp. He comes back, hides it in the tent, and he comes up in front of Elisha, Elisha, Elisha smiling, and Elisha says, where have you been? Uh, nowhere. And Elisha said, did not my spirit go with you when you followed after Naaman? That's a word of knowledge. See, Elisha's sitting back there, and all of a sudden the spirit tells him, your servant's gone after Naaman. To do this. Supernatural. I remember when I was in Teen Challenge, I can tell you stories about how God showed us people to where they, you know, the, our, my, my teacher, my, our guy that was there ahead of the chapel where I was first taught things of God was a guy named Eddie Duncan. You've heard me refer to him, incredible Bible teacher. Eddie had words of knowledge that used to freak us out. 
I mean, like just when we'd have chapel every morning, first thing we had was chapel, then we had Bible study, then we had faith class. We had three and a half hours every morning, for, you know, Monday through Friday. And uh, I always remember this one guy, any of the kids, the guy's name was Rodney Arbizo. I don't know why I remember the name. But he just walked in and, and Eddie looked at it for a minute. We all sat down, you kind of know each other, but then, the, you know, they have some kind of worship and whatever. But he'd say, Rodney, he said, I think we know go, we need to go into your bunk area, don't we? We need to go into your bedroom, don't we? And Rodney looked like this. And he says, he said, the Lord just showed me something in my spirit. He said, uh, actually, and he had us all go. We, there were 60 of us. He had us all go down this little hallway and stand outside. And he said, I just want to show you how the spirit operates. And he walks over and, you know, in the bunk bed had this thing on, had a little post in this one part. And he, pulled, he goes, the Lord showed me, uh, Rodney, you've got something in that bedpost, don't you? He sweats. Basically, you know, he pulls his cap off and pulls out some marijuana. He says, uh, you know, you're not really supposed to have this at Teen Challenge. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, Eddie would do stuff like that all the time. So this is why, you know, in the old days, we used to walk into chapel going, oh, God, if I've done anything wrong, forgive me right now. You know, in Jesus' name, forgive me because if he calls me out about something, and he'll be wrong because I've asked you to forgive me already. And I've got, you know. You know what I mean? You, you have that kind of a thing that would come up because you, when you're actually around people who move in the spirit like that, it can be freaky. It really can. But see, you've got this spirit. God shows you things. But see, at some point, you need to risk them following it through because that's, my friend, it is by exercise. That's how you begin to discover that you are hearing the voice of God. That's why, again, journaling is so important because you'll journal stuff down. And we're doing, you're praying, you write something down. And it's amazing when a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, you look back and you see, wow, I heard from God. I wrote down exactly what was going to happen. So word of knowledge, and I can't, like I said, I got to get to what I'm trying to really get at this morning. Word of knowledge is always past and present. Word of wisdom always speaks to the future, to the plans and the purposes of God that are in the future. And anyhow, I'm not teaching them. But watch, watch this as we go on. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same But this is special faith. This is a gift of faith. This isn't Romans 12, 3. This is the kind of faith that, like, when we were back at Rhema, excuse me, no, it wasn't Rhema. No, it wasn't Rhema. It wasn't Rhema when I was at Rhema, but it was during, but it was during one of the camp meetings. Long story short, this little boy, eight years old, out by, you know, a lot of farm around Broken Arrow, Oklahoma is where Rhema was. It's 15 miles outside of Tulsa. And uh, so we're all there, and there's farms everywhere around about. And there's one... Uh, one of the guys that was one of the students, you know, you weren't all young. This one guy was a farmer. He was, I think he was 48, 50 years old. Had a young son that was eight years old. He was out plowing one day. Long story short, he got out to do something. He hit a stone, hit a big rock in the field. Tractor went over, fell on top of him. And he's underneath this thing being crushed. This big old John Deere tractor. I mean, a big one, the double wheels in the back, double wheels in the front. His eight-year-old son, because his other son, his older son, his 16, is over there, and also one of the farmhands with, on another tractor that's pulling a wagon. And the testimony they gave at Rhema was incredible. They came up and they said, they all testified to it. The eight-year-old boy sees what happens, runs out to his dad's by the tractor, lifts the tractor off of his dad, lifts this big quad-wheeled 
It's not like ton and a half, whatever his tractor just flat out gets up, lifts it, pushes it off his dad. And they're all going, <laughs> that, that, see, it was a gift of faith. When you act before you think. But it's, it, you know, and there's so many, there's so many stories. You know, that's the way you read some of our great, great church generals that have gone in the past when you read all these stories about how things happen like this. Anyhow, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing, and in the Greek it says gifts of healings plural. Again, we had to study all this stuff from William Branham and Hagen and Jack Coe and all these guys. Some people had incredible, they had a gift of healing in a particular area. Like with Brother Hagen, there was not nary a bump or something on your body as whatever. I mean, every single person he'd, he'd pray for that had some like outside tumor, outside thing, almost every one of them got healed. Other people had, had a, a gift of healing in the area of like broken bones. I always remember one of the Jack, John G. Lake, I forget the guy's name, but John, one of John G. Lake's associates had a gift in the area of deafness. I can't remember the name. I'd have to look it up. I, all you can do is trust me. This guy went into a deaf hospital and emptied it. He emptied it. Now, why doesn't God ask us to do that all the time? I don't know. But I do know this guy had an incredible gift of healing in the particular area of deafness. But see, Julie may have a gift in this area. Sheila may have a gift of healing in this area. John may have a gift of healing in another area. Astrid may have one in another area. Bobby in another one. Deborah. George. So I just love messing with Joe. But I'm trying to say, Emmanuel, whatever, John back there, all of you. See, you may have a particular gift of healing in a particular area. But if you, this is why you don't stop praying. Just because you, if you don't get a healing right now, but you heard me last week, right? Share that testimony, that kid 16 years old in Rome praying for that young boy in the wheelchair. 10 to 15 times, praying the same thing, unafraid whatsoever before the guy, the kid, before anything began to manifest. See, you don't stop just because you don't see something happen. But I'm trying to tell you here, every one of you, actually, the Holy Spirit's in you. I said the Holy Spirit is in you. See, you say you believe that, but see, you need to add to your belief the faith of what's in you to do that. He, do you think he doesn't want to heal? You think he doesn't want to bless? Do you think he doesn't want to show you things to come? But see, I need, I'm need i trying to get all of you to come into church on a Sunday and say, hallelujah, here we are. Every to Everybody in here has a gift. I don't have to worry if I don't have that one because probably they do or that one. Somebody, somebody in here has it because, see, we, listen, this is what you got to hear. We, CCF, are one body. We're one. We're one of the one bodies that are in this town. Well, you know what? In this body, there are arms, there are hands, there are noses, there are eyes, there are ears, there are ankles, there are feet, there are knees. Do you hear me? There's no one body without them. Every one of you, so you see, one of you, is, you're, you, you'll see. You're gifted to see. Some of you are gifted to hear. Some of you are gifted to walk. Some of you are gifted your fingers. 
you're the, you have the ability, you have the gift to be able to kind of put things together, work things together, orchestrate stuff. But uh, together, we all have the capacity of God. But see, I need you to see that. I need you to receive that. I need you to realize we are a body. Not only are we the body, but I want you to catch it individually. We're, see, it's funny, individual, corporate. I want you to individually catch that you're corporate, be corporately and <laughs> receive that you're individual. Don't sweat. You, I don't know which part of the body you are. Now, I think Jeff back there might be the heel. I'm not sure. Only kidding, Jeff. Only kidding. Sorry, I was trying to make a joke then, and it didn't work, so forgive me. I'll just keep moving. <clears throat> to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, like I said, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But, of course, verse 11 is incredibly powerful. But all these worketh that one... And the self-same spirit, this is the part that we really have to come to grips with, dividing to every man severally as he wills. I said it's as he wills. It's not as you will. You don't go to ASDA and say, I'll choose prophecy. Sorry. You don't go to Tesco and say, I choose the gifts of healings. No, everything about God. The reason it's about discovery is because anything you discover, you discover carries a greater revelation of wealth or worth. I think you've heard me say, if you have a 20-pound note in your pocket, that's one thing. If you find one outside, curiously or uniquely, that 20-pound note will carry more sense of worth to you than the one you already had because you discovered it. God hides things for us. The scripture is very clear that this wisdom is laid up for the righteous, not from us. But there's nothing hidden that's not meant to be revealed. But will you work with it? Will you work with it? Will you be in the word? Will you be a man or woman of prayer? Will you ask the Holy Spirit? Reveal, reveal. His job is to reveal, transmit, disclose. I said his job is to reveal, transmit, and disclose. You've heard us teach on it. Will you have your antenna up? Because the signals are in the room right now. But you need a receiver. Remember the old teaching? Radio waves are in the room right now. Can't see them. TV signals are in the room right now. Can't see them because you need a receiver. You're the receiver. The Holy Spirit is always transmitting. Because... You have no lack of power in this transmitter. <laughs> Hallelujah. But all these worketh that self-same spirit divided into every man severally as, his, as, his, as he wills. And to a degree, I'd like to go on, I, but I don't want, but you know, verse 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. But again, you go on through there and you read, like he says, Can the hand say because he's not a foot, that he's not part of the body. You know all of that? Read it for yourself again, because again, this is what I want you to see. All of you are members of this body. Hands, arms, legs, feet, eyes, nose, something. But the body works together when all the parts of the body recognize that we're one body. 
This is why it says, when one of you hurts, I hurt. One of you is honored, I'm honored, because we're one person. See, do you hear me? When Rod's big toe hurts, somehow or another, Rod's left elbow understands. <laughs> you hear me? Well, see, that's, this is why, like I said, you've got to catch us. This, we are one body. CCF is one person. It's comprised of many different members. The members, different parts, different aspects, but we're the one body. Don't you see why we're, I, need, I need my ears to be working. I need my feet to be walking. I need my fingers to know what they're supposed to do. I know what I need my eyes to be doing what they're supposed to do. Well, see, you're my eyes, my ears, my feet, my fingers. You, that's how God sees you right now. Don't think less of yourself. It goes on to talk about the ignoble parts. There's some parts that we give greater honor to. There's some parts that we give lesser honor to because of how they are situated in the body. But God gives, for that matter, God's word. I share this all the time about volunteers. It literally says God gives more honor to the unseen parts. Remember, not only are some people hands and stuff outside, but some people are the liver and the kidney. Now, Rod Anderson knows a little bit about the importance of a liver. And if Mike Brown was here, he'd tell you a little bit about the importance of a kidney. Well, some of you are the conduit of what allows health to flow on the inside of the body. See, there are people that are hidden in here, but they're not hidden from God. There are people in here, if I dare, I don't want to embarrass Abby, but like Abby and my wife for that matter, but like we were talking in prayer this morning, she was mentioning the other day how she said, I'm not really an intercessor. I love to pray, but I'm not. She said, I'm just a person that when I see hurt in the body anywhere, I see a need, I, I want to try to fix it. And I said, yeah, because you're truly a mother in Israel. That's what mothers do. That's, what, that's Julie's heart, too. She carries our heart. I just want to fix it. But see, that's like something on the inside. That's not as it were, but it, does it work on the outside? Absolutely. But I'm just trying to get you to catch it. See, some of you might be, you know, this part. That part. And some of the littlest things, like just read, like I had to go to the liver doctors on Thursday. And Julie and I went, Julie went with me. I had a really good report. They told me about two months ago, they sent me to have this test where they run all this radioactive stuff through your bloodstream, you know, because they wanted to do a scan on my bile duct. When you have a liver transplant, there's like four or five incredibly different things that have to all be connected perfect again. It's really, and science is amazing. They have to be put together perfect. But the bile duct, when they show you on the x-ray and they show the MRI, is this little bitty, I mean, it's little teeny tiny thing. It looks like a little micro. Micro, just tiny, micro something, micros, very tiny vein. It looks like just a simple little teeny vein. But they thought I may have, they had me take that test because they thought there could be a constriction in there. And they said, if you have a constriction in your bile duct, you have to, we need to really look at it. And that's why they do this test. We want to see how much constriction there is. Because if there's a little too much for that bile duct, if that stuff doesn't flow like it needs to through that little tiny little bit of the body, super tiny little thing right near the liver. He said it can really cause a problem 
And he said, in fact, and he said, the only thing we can do in surgery is to put a stent in it. But he said, this surgery is different from any other stent surgery. He said, because of what's immediately around it, it really is dangerous. That's literally what they said. His team of surgeons said, it's really dangerous. We don't like to do that because of the side effects and what can happen. And that because of what's around, what we have to move and adjust to get to that thing and put a stent in it. So we want to give you this test to see if you do, blah, blah, blah. Long story short... In my case, I said, you know what? It's flowing okay. It's fine. We don't think you need the surgery, so hallelujah, you're good. In fact, your liver is doing incredible. Your kidneys are doing great, blah, blah, blah. You know, didn't even take a blood test. And I celebrate when I don't have to have a blood test because they've heard me say, I'm one of those people, they have to stick like 37 times so to get blood. <gasps> but I walked out of there smiling. Julie said, what a good report. And I said, yeah, it was. But see, I'm just saying, one of you might be a bile duct. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at Dom. Who knows? But the thing is, it's amazing how the littlest part of the human body can affect everything. You see, this is what I'm trying to get you to catch. Don't think you're unimportant if you're quote-unquote small in your own eyes. Because you're a major part of the body having health. You've got to catch that. But see, I want you all to own that. There's no one God has ever made without significance. You've got to catch that. You have a part. There's not one thing in the human body that's not meant to be there because God Almighty made it that way and he knew what he was doing. Can you accept that? Well, see, there's not one Every single one of you, you're here because you're in a body, because God has a use for you. Don't think you're just here to sit on your butt. Sorry, but that's not what it's about. You have a ministry. You have the Holy Spirit. You're a part, a member of this body. I want everybody to walk in thinking, I am a... I am an important member. See, without it, pride. But just know, I'm, I am not just a person walking into a church building. I'm, I'm a part of this body. Like, that's why I said so strongly, it was, the Holy Ghost really was ministering last week. If you didn't hear it, I, don't, I hope the podcasts are working by now. But I'm telling you, it, you need to listen to that because God's Spirit was really strong about this thing, about being in faith if you're a member of this church, to own it and understand that you've got a responsibility before God. Let me tell you, you need to have a home church, to say the least. Anyhow. Okay, that was all my introduction. <laughs> now i got to really jam. I said I wanted to, if I called this anything, I would call it inspect your, inspect your expectancy. Because the issue of faith is so vital, God just kept dealing. He said, see, the thing is, it is true. Only when you're under pressure do we find out what you really believe. What? And he just kept saying, what? Now listen, Rod, listen, Rod, listen. Now listen, I want to get down to the nitty-gritty. What, what are you really expecting? Or what are you really not expecting at all? Because expectancy creates an atmosphere. What are you really expecting? Inspect 
your heart is what my challenge today is. Truly be honest. Do I really see Julie mentioned it two or three times in her when I, you know, I'm not a failure. We don't expect failure. And I've ministered that before too. You see, I, let me say the, the statement I always make. Remember, failure is an event, not a person. There's nobody that hasn't experienced failure, but that's not your identity. Is it? No, it's not your identity. But see, only you can answer the question. You've got to be honest with yourself and then invite the Holy Spirit to eradicate anything that doesn't line up with his truth. You, do you still expect to come second? Do you always expect, do you always expect it not to work for you? Is that in there? I tell you, sometimes it's in all of us. So don't be ashamed of it. I'm asking you to recognize it and recognize that it's not N-O-T, not the truth of how God sees you. God's never ordained failure for any of his children. It's not in his DNA. It's not part of his anointing. It's not in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't say today, well, you know, I think today... I'm just going to, I'm going to fail for my, this person I'm living in right now, I think I just, he needs to understand failure. <sighs> that's, that's not God. God's delight is in showing himself strong in your behalf. But inspect your expectancy. Now, all through scripture, I want to read a bunch of them real quick here because of time. Psalm 27, 14, these are all from the Amplified. I don't know if you can do this quick, John, or not, but Psalm, 20, Psalm 27, 14, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. See, again, you can just read these as simple scriptures, but you ought to see how many times expect is in the scripture or longing. What do you, you know, there, everyone in here sometimes has a longing for. Well, that can be, that can be distorted to a degree. But nevertheless, see, I'm longing I have it by faith, but I am honestly longing for the manifestation of our building. And, and, I'm, and I'm selfishly going to say to a degree, a lot of it because of our musicians, I just can't wait to have a state-of-the-art studio. To see, let some of them thrive without having to freaking out about all the costs. You know what I mean? I, to me, that would be an incredible gift to give people. But see, like I said, some of you have these great gifts of, you know, your own ability to teach and to minister. You know, Julie longs to have another prayer class where she can really give herself to all the stuff she's studied for so many years. Like I said, she's got files about prayer, about flipping every part of the human body. It used to drive me nuts. She'd be the, the old file cabinets. Thank God for computers and it. We'd have like, what, four or five long, big, tall, four-drawer file cabinets, all Julie's. You pull them out, and here's all these little things, feet arms, teeth, elbow. I mean, you know, and I'd go, what the heck? It's just because she'd studied all this stuff out and had like scriptures for any, every area of the body, you know, freaked me up. Well, anyhow, <laughs> but I mean, you know, to have a place where we have all that, you know, to really have a place like, you know, whatever, some, some, of, some, some of the gifting that you have to have the Bible studies we really need, to have the prayer groups we really need to really, where we say, bless God, we're going to hit, we're going to be a people on our knees before God in the spirit. 
because it is still about prayer. You know, a prayerless church is a powerless church. That's the way it is. And this is why I want all of you to own that, too. It's not just about Rod's prayer life. Rod's prayer life, with all humility, is pretty good, but this is going to get even better. But I mean, Julie's prayer life is great, too. But I'm, and some of yours are. But I'm saying the more, the better. If we all own this church, don't, can you imagine every single person at church during the week, just maybe three or four times a week, taking five minutes out of every day, just five minutes to pray for every marriage in the church, pray for every child that's in school, cover them with the blessing of God, prophesy grace over each and every one of them, grace, grace, grace to this life, grace to these people that are going through this hard time right now. Just That's what the body's all about. That's what we're really supposed to be about. We are a family. Amen. Oh, hurry up, Rod. Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage. Let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for, hope for, expect the Lord. Father, help them to hear my heart. I'm not saying this to try to, like, impress you. I, I, I wake up every morning, man, stronger than ever in my life with this expectant. I do. I'm expect Today could be the day. I mean, literally, today could be the day. Today could be the day that some benefactor come out of nowhere. I mean, God does, you know, can a nation be saved in a day? God can do stuff in a split second. But I, why, why would you want to waste spiritual energy believing negative? Why, did, why, can't you, why can't you just shift gear, put that thing in reverse, and believe the great, the positive? Today might be the day that somebody actually sees that piece of paper that's mine. The right person might listen to my song today. The right person might come across my path today. But the right, you know, I might find the right job. I mean the job that I'm ordained to become a millionaire with right now. Right now. I might find the secret to how I flow in the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. I'm going to, you know, find my own path. Wait, hope, expect. Psalm 37, 34. Wait for, expect the Lord, keep and heed his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Psalm 39.7, and now, Lord, what do I wait for and expect? My hope and expectation are in you. Again, a simple verse from a psalm, but I mean, it's far more powerful than that. My hope and my expectation are in you. Are they? Or you have more hope in your doctrine than you do in God? Do you have more expectation from your financial investment than you do from heaven's investment? I mean, you know, I'm just saying, see, God's word will bring alignment um, the funny thing is, God waits for you. I love Isaiah 30, verse 18. I don't know if you can put that one up. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, And therefore, the Lord is earnestly waiting, expecting. Guess what he's expecting to do? Look at this. What is God longing to do? What's God longing to do? 
Can you, can you begin to see that that's who we serve? This is what my God's like? The Lord waits. He earnestly, he expects and he looks and he longs to be gracious to you. What a promise. My God is looking and searching for a way to bless Rod. He loves Rod. I am the disciple God loves. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's looking for a way, right? He longs to be gracious to you. That he may have mercy on you, that he can show his loving kindness to you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed and happy and fortunate be envied are all those who do what? Who earnestly wait for him, who expect, I love this in the Amplified, who expect and long, excuse me, who expect and look and long for him, for his victory. Are you expecting his victory? His favor. I expect his favor. I expect his love. I expect his peace. I expect his joy. And above all, I expect his matchless, unbroken companionship. These are verses, like I said, when I find these, like I said, this is what I pray. When I read my Bible over and over in the morning, like I said, and I find these things, I pray these things about myself. I confess them. That's what it comes. Expectancy gives strength, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But we all know this one. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, hope in him, She'll change and renew their strength. See, expecting is what causes an exchange to happen. See, you're in faith for something, but you need to inspect your heart. What am I really expecting? If you're really expecting something negative, you need to change that, stop that, rebuke that, and accept what God's doing. My God is longing to be, my God's looking for a way to be gracious to me, so therefore, Father, I receive it. Here I am, look no further. I like that old Christian song years ago. No, it wasn't Christian. It was a secular song. What was her name? That girl piano player? Look no further. Look no further. Beverly Craven. I I used to love her music. You ever listen to Beverly Craven? You don't know who Beverly Craven is? Sinner. Incredible. She has some incredible songs. One of these songs is Look No Further. But those who wait for the Lord, expect long look, will change and renew their strength. They'll lift up their wings, mount up close to God. As eagles mount up to the sun, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All that become, be, all that happens because I'm expecting God. Please expect God, and God is good. You see, it's so simple. Don't let the devil complicate it. I expect good. I'm not expecting bad. Because expectancy is faith. I don't want to release faith for bad stuff. I don't want to release faith for a clogged bile duct. (laughs) I'm going to release faith for everything flowing exactly like it's supposed to flow. I'm releasing faith for long life will I be satisfied. Because God loves me. You're youngsters, you don't even, you could care less, you're thinking immortal. But once you turn over 40 like I am, Hallelujah. Expectancy to give strength. Isaiah 49, 23, when you're expectant, the Bible promises you will not be put to shame. And kings shall be your foster fathers and guardians and their queens, your nursing mothers. Think about what that really means. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth, lick up the dust of your feet, and you shall know with an acquaintance and understanding based on the ground and personal experience that I am the Lord, for they shall not be put to shame who wait for, look for, hope for, expect me. 
What you expect, you hasten, 1 Peter 3, verses 11 and 12. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, talking about heaven and earth itself, what kind of person ought each of you to be in the meantime, meanwhile in consecrated and holy behavior and devout and godly qualities while you wait and earnestly long for, expect, and hasten the coming of the day of God by reason of which the flaming heavens will be dissolved? Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Everybody, everybody celebrate. Yeah. Expect his mercy. And this is another thing, like I said, we could teach four Sundays on this. Just you got to stop. You got to kill doubt. In the old days, we used to say this if you feed your faith, you'll starve your doubt to death. Quit feeding your doubt. Don't let, don't hang around people that say, you don't look so good today. <laughs> don't hang around people that say, you know, you, it's like, you know what I mean? Just don't. Jude verse 21, guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and ex- patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring you into life eternal. Now the word doubt, distazo, D-I-S-T-A-Z-O. It literally means to stand, quote, to stand in two ways. D-I-S means double. Stasis, S-T-A-S-I-S, that person in a state of stasis, means standing. It means double standing. Doubt means when you're not standing in one place, you're trying to stand in two places. Starve doubt to death. It's not a sin to have doubt, but don't keep it. Kill it with faith. Are you listening to me? I want you all to have this. Romans 8, I always loved in Romans 8, verse 38. Can you put that up? Romans 8, 38. Just this one part of it. I always got, I got stuck on this years ago. We all know the verse. One, two, there it is. I am persuaded. What's the next two words? Beyond. I got stuck one day and he said, listen, Rod, I don't want you to just I don't want you to stop, just stop down. I want you to get so far beyond doubt. I want you to get so far out there past doubt that you are so long, you're such a long ways from doubt that you'd have to have supernatural binoculars to even see it. See, I mean, there's a shift. I'm enjoying so much the shift that's happened to me again. Like I'm telling you, I'm telling you, pray in tongues, man. Boy, I'm telling you, charge. And I keep saying, I wanted to keep saying until you get it. I keep charging that battery up. I tell you, I'm, I'm, my phone is set to charge. Like I said last week, you all have a phone. You freak out when you lose your cord. You make sure that phone's charged every night or every day or sometime. I need to charge. I need to charge it. You got to have the same attitude towards your spirit. Charge your spirit. Building up yourself on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You keep charging and charging and charging and charging and charging and charging. I'm enjoying it, man. I'm telling you, I am, I am honestly God inside minded 98% of the time right now. I'm thinking about God. I'm watching NCIS on TV thinking about God. Judy doesn't like that because she's grown very weary of NCIS. But I, I'm just, I mean, I'm just honest to God be telling you the truth. But it's all because, man, I just have found, I've got myself in that flow and I love it. So I just said this, let God's word be final authority to persuade you to trust him. And I've got one more thing. I've got a PowerPoint here. 
Now, how many of you have heard, of course, to say the least, about how important... Now, are you listening? We're, we're finishing now. Everybody say hallelujah. But I want you to catch this. It's only what? 2.30? Yeah, we're good. When I, many, many years ago, when I overdosed from heroin, and my friend Greg Winton, he saved my life by giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, um, until the ambulance got there and they got me in the hospital and I came out of a coma like three days later. And, uh, this, and I was pronou- that's when I was pronounced dead twice. I was literally, it's in my records, I was pronounced dead twice by some surgeons. But there was this one surgeon, I've never forgotten his name, Dr. Muzzarelli. The dude simply would not give up on me. And I don't know if you know this, I didn't die. I'm, I'm, I'm alive. But one of the things when he spoke to me later, he said, Mr. Anderson, he said, you had one of the strongest wills to live of anybody I've worked on in a long time. And that summary that came to my memory again about expectancy, you know, how important is the will to succeed or the will to live? So I've got, I just went and I, I just went up and I looked, I was looking at a couple of things and I read part of an article from these surgeons from this medical staff. So anyhow, go ahead and yeah, put this up. Many, I'm just going to read this, but many physicians, and I know you may have heard it, but it's amazing. I want you to see the parallel. Many physicians have seen how two patients of similar ages and with the same diagnosis, degree of illness, and treatment program experience vastly different results. One of the few apparent differences is that one patient is pessimistic, the other optimistic. Some doctors and psychologists now believe that the proper attitude may even have a direct effect on cell function and consequently may be used to arrest, if not cure, cancer. This new field of scientific study called psychoneuroimmunology focuses on the effect that mental and emotional activity have on physical well-being, indicating that patients can play a much larger role in their recovery. One patient with high-risk cancer had a mastectomy at age 29. At 31, she had advanced stage 4 cancer with widespread massive liver and bone involvement and subsequently extensive lung metastases. She also had an amazing strong will to live. Quote, she said, I would get out of bed every morning as if nothing was wrong. She once said, I may have known I was going to have to face things that could feel sick during the day, but I never got out of bed that way. There was a lot I was fighting for. I had a three-year-old child, a wonderful life, and a magical love affair with my husband. Thirty years later, she's still alive, still on chemotherapy, but still living an active life. Unfortunately, and quite understandably, many patients react to the diagnosis of cancer in the same way that people in primitive cultures react to the imposition of a curse or a spell as a sentence to a ghastly death. This is why I thought this, I read a lot of stuff, but this caught me. This phenomena known as bone pointing, I'd never heard that. This phenomenon known as bone pointing results in a paralytic fear that causes the victim to simply withdraw from the world and await the inevitable end. You see, this is what I want out of my people. Inspect your expectancy. Let me keep reading. This phenomenon known as bone 
disappointing results in a paralytic fear that causes the victim to simply withdraw from the world and await the inevitable end. See, it's going to happen. Oh, I know I'm going to lose. I'm going to fail. I'll lose my job. In modern medical practice, a similar phenomena may occur when out of ignorance or superstition, a patient believes the diagnosis of cancer to be a death sentence. Again, it's true, you know, the big C, they call it the big C. The moment some people hear that, they already said, they already plan to lose. Judy and I have dealt with people that we've known over the years many times who simply did not, they just felt that's it. A doctor said this, that's it. A doctor said it, so that's it. How about Dr. Jesus? Seriously. But see, I... Think about this in every area of your life. See, what you're believing is affecting everything about your life and your future. Don't just take my word for it. Take God's word. But understand, even medical, there are so many articles on this. You have to just Google will to live. But anyhow, in modern medical practice, a similar phenomena may occur when out of ignorance and superstition, a believer, a patient believes the diagnosis of cancer to be a death sentence. However, the phenomena of self-willed death is only effective if the person believes in the power of the curse. Now, you got to see the implication to that statement. I said, do you see the implication to that statement? What if I can get you to believe in the power of the blessing? What if God can get you to believe in the inevitable end of following him? Eternal life and blessing on the earth. Hallelujah. It's inevitable if you follow Christ. Why can we have faith for the negative and not have faith for the good stuff? You hear what I'm saying? Seriously, does anybody hear me? In the final little paragraph, the best thing a patient can do to strengthen the will to live is to get involved as an active participant in combating his or her disease. I want you to get actively involved in faith in what God has for this church and for you. We have a building. We have the Holy Spirit. Every one of you have the gifts of the Spirit within you. I need us all to covet the gifts together. It's not just my responsibility. I want you going home and you during the week, Father, thank you for the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in the church. But thank you for them because, again, God didn't speak this. And when Paul spoke in Corinthians, he wasn't speaking to an individual. He was speaking to the church at Corinth. Don't you know that you're the body? Don't you know that the Holy Spirit's in you? All these things are in you. I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There's discerning of spirits. There's gifts of healings. There's working of miracles. There's all this stuff, and it's in this body because there's no such thing as a body without all these members. We're a body. It's here right now. Can you please begin to see that? Don't doubt otherwise. Uh, the best thing a patient can do to strengthen the will to live is to get involved as an active participant in combating his or her disease. See, I'm blessed God going to combat doubt. We declare war on doubt. When patients approach their disease in an aggressive, and I heard somebody say that Ayana, who's walking out because she gets upset with me, only kidding, 
But Ayana, I think Manuel said something. Ayana said something about we need to be more aggressive in some areas, right? And it's true. When patients approach their disease in an aggressive fighting posture, they're no longer helpless victims. Instead, they become active partners with their medical support team in the fight for improvement, remission, or cure. That's natural science speaking about a spiritual truth that God has revealed to us, his children, in this book called the Bible that we're all called to read, that we're all called to do our best to release faith in. I want you to rise up in faith and recognize who you are, but recognize who we are. I really... I, I, You want to? Understand it's not God's will. Oh, that was amazingly sharp how he did. No, but it's not God's will. Like I said in the beginning, you see, if you go to God's word, you'll get God's truth. But listen, you know what? You can live your whole life allowing it to be God's truth and never your truth. I can't wave a magic wand over you to make that come to pass. But if you'll just do what the Father's asked, He loves you. He will never condemn you. Just get in the Word. I know it. I'm sorry. There's no shortcut. Get in the Word. You don't have to start with seven hours a day. Start where you are. Be honest with yourself. Pull on the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, teach me. He longs to. I mean, He's a ready teacher. Believe me, he is ready and willing to guide you. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Like I said, I, every single morning when I first opened the book, I do every morning. It's a habit. My Father, I receive this word. It's the bread of heaven. It's the very breath of life. And I just do the same with my hand because it's just become real to me. I let, I imbibe it. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. I want all of it. I want everything you want me to have. Don't disturb me in my fun because I'm having a good time. Ex inspect your heart. What am I really expecting about this week? What am I really expecting out of my wife? Am I, am I actually part of the problem? Because I'm actually, I, I don't mean to, but I'm releasing faith. Am I releasing faith for my husband to be just a flipping nightmare? Now I'm, I'm meddling. <laughs> Am I releasing faith for my wife to be a problem? Am I releasing faith for my boss to be the ugliest job? Or do I believe that God can change anything? And therefore, I'm going to get in the line with that. I'm going to start believing the best. I'm going to believe God can do anything. But see, he is dependent upon you releasing your faith. And now... I'm going to start my next two-hour message.
No, Father, all I, I'm just going to shout. I'm sorry, because we do have a vision, and I really want some of you to stay and hang in. I have to drive right now to Himmel Hempstead. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. We are one body. We have one Lord. We've had one baptism. We have one God, and he has one son named Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, we continue to commit this church into your sound keeping. You are the head of this church. Holy Spirit, you are the power that's in this church. People of God, you are the ones who have possessed, hold this incredible grace of God in that he said you are now clothed. You are clothed with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. You're clothed with the power of God from on high the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord that took place. So, Father, may our people walk in the fullness of the revelation. Let it be so alive and real to them and let them recognize every single one of them are part of this one body and we need every part of it working well whether it can be seen or whether it's an unseen part of the inside of the body but it's all all of us all of us together cause health and life so father i continue to speak blessing Again, I'm just going to say this again, Father, because I know you want. I just thank you for an overwhelming gift of the spirit of faith. I mean the spirit of faith. I mean the gift, the spirit of faith to just absolutely take hold of every one of our people. Where they just wake up, bless God in faith. I mean, we're just strong. I believe God. I actually believe God now. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be this way because I serve a good, good God. And I thank you, Father, that every one of our people, at least that's where I'm releasing my faith, that every single member, every single member of this church is going to have a living, vibrant, we're going to wake up with faith, bless God, I know God, my God loves me, and I love him. And I pray that in the holy and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 